Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, since last week, Matt Clintac is gone. JT Realmuto could be next. The Eagles are leading the NFC East. Who would have thought that? Doc Rivers wants to be known as Glenn, and the Flyers lose a key defensive piece. Never a dull moment in Philly sports. Yeah, very true, Bill. Now, the good news, other than the surprising Matt Niskin in retirement, is that it's most, mostly positive news that we're dealing with this week. Unlike a week ago, I'm happy with the Sixers head coach choice. Whether you call him Doc or Glenn, I don't care. Uh, the Eagles got a much-needed win. And, yes, to Phillies fans, delight, Matt Klentak is gone from the GM role. Well, you know, um, We'll have to see what that delight is because we don't have the replacement yet. So it doesn't have to always go up. We can only hope it does. Yeah. All right. Hey, we've got a couple great guests tonight with Philly Nation's Tim Kelly talking about what looks like a very interesting offseason for the Phils. And uh, it's not going to make fans happy if things don't work out with JT. We'll also have Edge of Philly Sports Network's Freddie Burns joining us a little bit later. Yeah, let's get it going. We made Tim wait an extra, like, seven minutes, so let's do it. Plenty to talk about on the Philly sports scene. Let's get her going, Bill. All right. With that, let's welcome Tim Kelly back to Philly Press Box Radio. Tim, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me back on, guys. Hey, Tim. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us a second time. We talked to you previously way back in early February. Boy, have things changed over these past eight months. We're going to cover as much of it as we can, but – First, we got an update on Monday on Reese Hoskins, and I guess it's not great news, but it could have been a lot worse. What is the latest on our first baseman? He had surgery on his UCL that he injured late in the season. I think it cost him the last 17 games of the season. Uh, it's a four- to six-month recovery. It was not Tommy John surgery, but it, it's a procedure that fixed whatever issue that he had in his left elbow from the ball being thrown down the line and him trying to catch it. So it's something that, in the worst-case scenario, maybe he misses very early 2021, but I, I wouldn't even expect that, honestly. Hey, Tim, speaking of Hoskins, he, he finally warmed up a little bit, uh, just at an unfortunate time to get hurt. Um did, did he did he finally get this thing fixed uh, from the hitting standpoint? And secondly, there I guess there's there's a million rumors out there, but there's a rumor that uh, Hoskins is not a Girardi guy. Anything to that? I don't know anything anything having to do with that. I, I think he'll be here next year, and he seemingly uh, cemented that in the second half of his season uh, because I think for about a two or three week stretch, he was the most valuable offensive player on the team. Well, Tim, the big news, of course, over the weekend, the news that Matt Klintak had, you know, stepped down, as they put it, as general manager. It was time for him to go, certainly. But does it trouble you at all that Andy McPhail, who hired Klintak back in 2015 and hasn't seemed to do a whole lot since then, will be heavily involved in choosing his successor? Well, I mean, someone was going to be involved with it with John Middleton. So I guess that will be Andy McPhail. I don't know if I have a strong opinion on that 
one way or another, to be honest with you. So we'll see what it turns into because I'm not sure necessarily that they're hiring someone right now. Sounds like Andy McPhail is moving towards a different role and kind of being phased out anyway. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Well, and Tim, if you had to, uh, had a crystal ball, who would you like, uh, who's the front runner to get that job? I don't know that there is a front runner right now, because if you listened to John Middleton talk, it, it sounds like it's entirely possible that they don't hire someone immediately, or that even if they hire someone in two to three months, by that point, you will have had to make decisions on JT Real Muto, on D.D. Gregorius, on uh, the, the entire bullpen trying to fix that. So I think Ned Rice, even if he's just the interim guy, is going to be someone that plays a very important role in what the Phillies are for the next few seasons. And beyond that, in terms of who you would look to, Theo Epstein could become available next offseason. That's an interesting person to monitor. But I think you, you have to naturally go to guys that were, have Yankees connections and have been in that front office because you have Joe Girardi, who spent a long time there, and you have Brian Barber, the scouting director, who spent a long time there, and seemingly those guys aren't going anywhere. So guys like Tim Naring and Damon Oppenheimer, guys that are in that front office, obviously Brian Cashman's going nowhere would be guys that I would kind of keep an eye on. Well, Tim, I listened to the John Middleton Zoom news conference on Saturday, and you asked him one of the final questions of the presser, essentially asking him if he regretted the team trading away top prospect Cisco uh, Sixto Sanchez for JT. And his answer was quite interesting. Tell us about that. His answer essentially was at the time, he didn't believe that they should make that trade if they couldn't get JT Real Muto to agree to a long-term extension. And I I followed up with them and I said, so what happened that the trade ultimately got done without a long-term extension? He essentially said the baseball operations people, which would be Matt Klintock, I'm sure it would be Ned Rice, everyone involved, believed at the time of that trade, they would get an extension done. Instead, here we are where it doesn't necessarily look like an extension is a certainty or even a probability. And even if it is, you have to wonder with how good Sixto Sanchez looked this season, if you're going to be on the losing end of that trade. Well, speaking of Middleton, um, it it almost sounded like he was kind of greasing the skids uh, with fan base that this real Muto signing might not happen. And he started, started throwing around finances and things like that. And uh, fan base isn't going to buy that. No, they're not, but ultimately he's the one that makes that decision. And I felt like in Matt Klintak's press conference late in the season, which turned out to be his final one as GM, he kind of did the same thing. Now, it's not them saying like the Indians are doing with Francisco Lindor, essentially saying it's not going to happen. But it is them saying if Steve Cohen or whoever with the Mets or whatever team comes off the top rope and gives him a huge six-year offer – him coming back may not be in the cards. Well, if they don't re-sign Rio Muto, are they just going to wing it with Andrew Knapp and whomever, or do they acquire another catcher from somewhere else or what? Well, John Heyman mentioned the other day, James McCann, who was the White Sox backup catcher, but he's a starting caliber, started in Detroit before. So with him and Andrew Knapp, you could put together a competent uh, catching duo. But the reality is that if you lose JT Real Muto, there's no player that isn't a downgrade in the sport right now. Yeah. And what about Didi? Uh, had a nice season. I don't know that he was a superstar, but he was certainly solid uh, for him the whole entire season. Uh, do you go out on a limb and try to get him for two or three years or you let him find his way and uh, wait to bring somebody up from the farm? I'm interested to see what his market is. Um, in a normal year, he may get a two or three year deal. I don't know if teams are pinching pennies across baseball. If he gets a multi-year deal, if he can get a one-year deal, I'm all for it because it's a one-year deal with next to no commitment. Next offseason, you have arguably the greatest class of free agent shortstops ever, led by Francisco Lindor, Carlos Correa, Javier Baez, Trevor Story. That's just a few of them. So you'd kind of like to at least have the option to be a player there, especially if you lose Real Muto this offseason. And you also have Bryson Stott, who you spent a first-round pick on and played in college. So theoretically, even with this Uh, lost year or not getting as much playing time as he would have in the minor leagues. He played at the satellite squad and you'd like to think in two or 
so years, he's going to be close to being ready. So I don't know that that's a position you want to tie yourself down to long-term. If you can get Didi Gregorius back on the exact same deal or thereabouts, the one-year $14.5 million deal, 100% you do it. If you need to give him a three-year deal, I wouldn't. And a two-year deal is probably where it gets dicey. Well, Klantak's real sin in my mind, Tim, was doing him doing nothing of any significance last winter to improve the bullpen that we all knew was not real good. He made some moves, of course, in August to try to improve things, and literally none of those moves worked out the way we would have hoped. So other than, you know, figuring out if they can bring JT back and maybe Didi, will improving the bullpen be the top priority for Ned Rice or his replacement? Yeah, it has to be. The question is, you've acquired so many different guys over the last two or three years that have had success with organizations and came here and it just, they fell off a cliff. Now, some of that was guys you went to the well one too many times with like David Robertson, Pat Neshek, the second time you brought them back that they were just older. But why are guys like David Phelps and Brandon Workman that are above average relief pitchers with other teams, why did they come here with multiple different coaching staffs and it doesn't work? To me, that can't be as simple as the GM. And the Phillies need to find out what that answer is. Obviously, Liam Hendricks, different guys that are free agents you would like to be in on. But you need to figure out why the free agents you brought in over the last two or three seasons have fallen off a cliff so it doesn't continue happening. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Tim, because I've I've asked our last probably three baseball guests that we've had uh, the same question. You know, they had a, a bullpen that didn't work out. They had four guys, let's call it four, could be six guys that failed. They bring in four new guys and they failed equally. Uh, something else is wrong besides just every pitcher that came in here can't pitch. The bullpen at the beginning of the season, point blank, was not good enough to be competing even in a 60-game season. The bullpen that you had at the second half of the season should have, at the very least, been much better than it was. Now, Connor Brogdon showed a lot. Uh, I really like him. I'm still holding out some level of hope that you'll get something out of Victor Arano in the future. I think Hector Neris maybe ran into some bad luck this year. But, yeah, I mean, you you need it to be better. Guys like David Phelps, who – David Phelps has like a four and a half million dollar option. You should a hundred percent pick that up, but it's certainly not based on what he did as a Philly. It's based on hoping he just can't be what he was in the second half of the year. Cause he's better than that. Hey, other than Kenny Giles and the injured Sir Anthony Dominguez, the Phils haven't really had any reliever that you can consistently count on, you know, throwing 98 to hundred miles an hour in recent years. Can I put that on my wish list, Tim? You can put it on your wish list. Um, <laughs> I don't know if uh, your wish list is going to be answered or not. We'll see what they do in free agency. Um, I'm interested to see what they do. It, it's really that simple. It's does JT Real Muto re-signing? Does that mean you don't do anything else? Does not re-signing him mean you allocate that elsewhere? I, I really don't know what the Phillies are going to do this offseason. Um, I get it. There weren't fans in the stands this year, but it, it would seem short-sighted when Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and Bryce Harper are at their peaks to – basically kick the can down the road until fans are back and revenues are skyrocketing again, because it it just seems short-sighted to me. I'll I'll leave it at that. Okay. Well, Chet mentioned Connor Brogdon. It certainly was impressive. Uh, Any possibility that he goes into that starting rotation and we are finally done with Vince Velasquez and, um, you know, Arietta has gone. We're going to clear some, going to be gone. I think going to clear some salary there is Eflin the answer. I mean, we're, we're back to two starters, and uh, uh, Brogdon certainly looks like he's got live enough arm. No, I think Brogdon is, is a reliever, and that, that's fine. You need to start stacking some elite relievers, and he flashed that potential late in the season. So I don't know that he's going to be a closer next year, but he's someone you're going to hopefully be able to count on in high-leverage situations. Zach Eflin, to me, this was kind of his first like legitimately good season that he's had and it was in a shortened season. So you hope that he's good next year. You count on him in your rotation, but counting on him as your number three going into the season might be a stretch. The question is, what do you do? I mean, Spencer Howard pitched like 25 innings this year. He's going to be so limited in how much you can stretch him out next year. He's had shoulder injuries now on back-to-back season. So 
you hope you get a lot out of Spencer Howard next year, but I, I'm not banking on him being a legitimate number three for a team that competes for a championship. So you need to figure something out there. Uh, one option John Heyman mentioned the other day was Trevor Bauer, but that was in the case of JT Real Muto leave. So could you make a case that you're a slightly better team with Bauer than Real Muto? Maybe, but I, I don't know that it moves the needle significantly enough. Uh, Tanaka is a free agent. You can go down the list of different guys that are options this off season. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, as far as Vince Velasquez, he's someone that if you have to bring Vince Velasquez back as your number five, maybe you do that. I don't think he's an awful number five, but um, I don't think they're going to tender him what he he's due to make around $5 million, I believe this season and the final year of arbitration. I don't know that they'll do that. Maybe they'll trade him. Maybe they'll non-tender him and re-sign him for a lower price. But if they're pinching pennies and pushed against the luxury tax, uh, I, I don't know that you necessarily bring him back at the price it's going to be in arbitration. Tim, what do you think the outfield is going to look like next year? That's a great question. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon said, it, or Joe Girardi said at the end of the year that he thinks Andrew McCutcheon will continue to improve defensively as he comes back from that ACL tear. But Andrew McCutcheon is going to be 34 years old next year. And his metrics in left field were bad this season. So mm -hmm. I kind of feel you're at the stage in his career where he's more of a DH or at least in that role Jay Bruce was in this year where he'll play the outfield sometimes, but more often than not as a DH. But that depends what Reese Hoskins is as he comes back from that surgery, what you believe Alec Bohm is. There's a lot of different moving parts. Center field is, is just kind of a mess. I mean, obviously, you know Bryce Harper's in right field. Center field, I asked Joe Girardi late in the season, and he said there were stretches where he liked what he saw from Roman Quinn and Adam Hazley, but neither of them screamed, I need to be the guy next year with their play. And I, I don't think either are major league starters. I think Adam Hazley is a fourth outfielder or a fifth outfielder, and I think Roman Quinn is a great weapon to have on your team but he's not an everyday player. So I, I think the best scenario would probably be to put Scott Kingery out there, but you need to know that you don't need Scott Kingery elsewhere. And that depends what you're doing with DD Gregorius and where you're playing Gene Segura. So there's a ton of moving parts. Well, as the, as the short season wound down, Bryce Harper went from looking like an MVP candidate for the first 30 games and he fell off a cliff the last 30 games too. Um, should we be concerned about that? Or is that a normal slump that he would have played out of had we played 162 games? Well, I think the back injury probably hampered him more than they let on. And I asked Joe Girardi at one point and he said, yeah, and in an 162 game season, we probably would have put him on the injured list and given him time to recover. They didn't have that option this season. So I don't think that one injury is a concern. It's just it's a matter of this is a guy that's played in the major league since he's 19 and he has a violent swing. I worried before they signed him that this is someone that seven or eight years into the deal might have back problems because of how violently he swings. So it's something to monitor from a long-term sense, but I don't think it's something to worry about in 2021. Well, Tim, I know you follow the Eagles quite closely as well. None of us, I don't think, you know, suddenly thinks that the birds are, a legitimate NFC contender just because they got the W out in San Francisco and they're in first place in the God awful NFC least. They have a couple of tough games on the schedule. What is your outlook for the Eagles the rest of the season? My outlook is maybe they can sneak in at an awful division, but when push comes to shove, I still think the Cowboys will probably win the division. Oh, <laughs> oh shoot. Well, Hey Tim, before we let you go, uh, we want to be sure that you can tell the listeners, the viewers, uh, where they can find all your work. You do a ton of good work, and uh, you're all over social media. Let everybody know where they can follow you. You can follow me on Twitter, at Tim Kelly Sports, and then read me on philliesnation.com and radio.com. Now, Tim, right. before you go, I know that you got a birthday coming up tomorrow, so I want to say happy birthday. And you've probably heard people say things like this. I have sweatshirts older than you. Well, here's the proof. I do. <laughs> This is my 1993 <laughs> Phillies World Series sweatshirt, and it still fits me, I'll have you know, and it is older than you. So It yeah. is older than me. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Thank you, guys. All right, Tim. Hey, All right, appreciate Tim. it. Let's do it again. A lot of, lot of uh, good summer stuff to, or winter stuff to look forward to with the Phils. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. See you. All right.
Hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate Insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. So give Dave a call today. He's at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania. The phone number is 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And you know, Bill, it was 40 years ago this week that the album Zenyatta Mondada by The Police came out, and it included this little perfect for 2020 song. Are you allowed to say police? Is that is that okay? <laughs> I think that's okay. All right. Well, hey, Chet, we're going to talk some Sixers. Uh, their quick move uh, to hire Glenn Rivers. That's right. It's not Doc Rivers. It's Glenn Rivers. Uh, there's only one Doc in Philly, and he's already hangs from the rafters. So, but before we do that, let's welcome Edge Philly Sports Freddie Burns back this week. Fred, welcome. Hopefully you got the plumbing taken care of. The Phils are taking care of business. The Sixers are taking care of business. And the Eagles got a win that you picked. Yep, we're looking we're looking good. And most importantly, actually, out of all that was the plumbing. <laughs> and that is all good. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I hate guys, problems. <laughs> uh, Sixers didn't take long to hire their guy once he became available. I don't know if they knew this was going to happen. So they were sitting tight, waiting for it. Uh but once it did, they move quick. Chet, start with you. What do you think of the hiring of Glenn Doc Rivers? Well, you and I talked about it last Wednesday night, Bill, when it became a possibility. And as I said then, I liked the hire or the potential hire at that time. He's got lots of experience as both a player and a coach in the NBA. He's won a title as a coach. But the one yellow flag, of course, is that he hasn't gone real far in the playoffs in recent years, and his teams have twice gone down, you know, after blowing a three to one series lead, including this year. But hey, I'm hopeful that he'll be the guy that will get Embiid and Simmons to take their game to the next level. Fred, what do you think? I think they got lucky as heck that, that hmm. he became available because they were going to hire Lou or Dan Tony by all reports, and Dan Tony was the lead. and the offense he runs does not fit anything. I'm very excited about Glenn Rivers. Um, I, I like, I think it, it's like a huge thing that he just automatically brings his respect. The players automatically respect him. There's no questioning him. There's no, like he's already done it and he's been successful in this league. I, I and the, the other thing about him that I like is he's not a guy that's going to run a system, his system. He's going to look at the players he has and then build his system around their strengths. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, he isn't concerned with the shooting. He's not because it's not, and I agree with that. It's not a concern. The shooting's not a concern. It's him being aggressive and getting to the rack and making free throws. Um, he thinks Embiid's a superstar, but he agrees that he needs to stretch out and shoot the three and be able to handle the ball because that's what the centers do in this league. He's going to build on that. And, and what I think is going to be a very big thing is Tobias Harris because Tobias Harris was used so incorrectly by Brett, Brett Brown. It, it's, it's egregious. He made him a spot up shooter and that is not his game. And the last time Tobias Harris, when we traded for him, he was having his most success. Who was his coach? Glenn Rivers. Yep. Over Glenn and Rivers. Well, and with, with all that said, Fred, though, I think we, we, uh, we certainly know we don't have enough depth, but, do they even have enough talent? What are we going to do about the talent portion that gets you to that next level? You can't live on those two guys or even three guys, as, as you see all the time. they got to be able to put seven or eight out there that are quality. I agree with you that they need to fill the, those bench roles more, you know. But I, I think they can be filled, you know. I, I, there's some personnel decisions that I, I personally think are, are just ridiculous, like keeping Cork Maz, picking Neto over Trey Burke. You know, these are things that could have been resolved with players that were available. I also think having Glenn Rivers here, a Kyle Corver is not going to spurn you and go to the Bucks now. Now, a Kyle Corver, if that type of player is available, which may be Marco Bellinelli, by the way, they now will come and play here and be a role player because now they think there's a coach in place that they can play for that that's going to have a good system. So 
they'll find those veteran minimums that they can bring over. I mean, you even saw it with the Clippers. You know, they brought in guys that, that wanted to play over there. And then you have the Patrick Beverleys and then the Lou Williams and um, the, one of the Morris brothers was over there. You know, they want to play for Doc, not Doc in Philly, obviously, but they want to play for Glenn Rivers. And I, I think we'll find those players. I had a couple of things. Uh, I think Matisse Thibel is going to get better, which is going to help. I'm curious to see what Al Horford's future holds, you know, as he's going to be back apparently, you know, with the Sixers again for a second uh, season. Uh, thirdly, I am concerned about Ben not shooting. I want to see Ben take some outside shots. I know the new coach doesn't seem overly concerned, but I think it would improve his game dramatically if he did take those 12 and 15 footers more often, you know, a couple of times at least every game. And fourthly, and our producer Chris pointed this out, you guys look great in your red shirts. And again, I didn't get the memo about tonight's dress code. Well, you did, but you were busy doing something else, I think. <laughs> hey, I do have one final question I want to throw at both you guys because we just can't let it go by. NBA ratings are in the tank in a bad, bad way uh, to the point that they're coming out already talking about how they're going to have to change things next year. Um, is this, do you see this as being a permanent thing? Uh, I mean, we're talking about what uh, six-fold drop in viewership from the Michael Jordan Championship Series to today when supposedly the best player in the game is playing. Uh, not a good look right now for the NBA. I, I think it, it definitely will change, and not that I agree or disagree with, with what's going on. I believe you, you're entitled to your opinion, and you can do what you want to entitled to your opinion. But when Adam Silver has already made comments that he doesn't see it going past this, and I would say it probably does have to do with the viewership and the money, because ultimately, if you, don't, if you can't operate a business, um, then you know that, that kind of changes things. So I think they'll find ways – to promote whatever cause they're, they're for, whoever that may be, whatever player, grouping of players wants to do that. But it's not going to be um, on the court and, and in the same manner, on the jerseys and all, and all that. You know, this is a, a different time. It, we're the COVID, no fans. It's a very, very weird time. And um, I think as we get a little normal, the, the leagues will get normal as well as far as that goes. Yeah, all of the ratings are down, and uh, I, I think the NBA has been hardest hit. Game four on Sunday night, the ratings were dreadful. They had, I think, 4 million people only watching, and they lost you know, big time to Sunday night football. There was also a new Walking Dead spinoff on and some other stuff, so people didn't really tune into game three, plus the fact that I think everybody thought the Lakers were on their way to a sweep. Of course, Miami won game three, and the ratings for game four last night were significantly better. They went from 4 million up to 5.3 million last night, so that's uh, a nice increase percentage-wise, still down from past years, of course. Keep in mind, last week's Stanley Cup clincher drew less than 2.9 million people. Far fewer viewers that night than not only Monday Night Football, which is to be expected, but the Stanley Cup final game also got beat out by Dancing with the Stars on ABC, plus reruns of The Neighborhood and Young Sheldon on CBS. It was the least watched game six and least watched clincher for an NHL you know, final game since at least the 2004-2005 season. We're seeing this in all the sports not just the ones affected by the protests, which certainly have hurt. Uh, we're also seeing low ratings for the baseball playoffs. And Saturday's Preakness, granted it was a much different time of year than usual, the ratings for the Preakness were down 49.5% from a year ago. So all sports are being impacted, and part of it is just the whole crazy year of the COVID, and we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Pe people are just having bad feelings about professional sports to begin with. The hockey Tampa and Dallas, I, I get that because it was Tampa and Dallas. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're not your, uh, not where just everything's going to happen hockey wise. But I guess with basketball, the question for me most, because they took probably the biggest step, um, is the horse out of the barn? You know, is it too late to recover? So the start of the next season is going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but uh, certainly something to keep an eye on. But hey, Let's move on. But, Chet, before we get to our football talk, tell us what's going on at the Irish Rover Station House. They accomplished a modified Oktoberfest over the weekend. Did you get to go? <laughs> Boy, it's funny you mentioned that. And we didn't plan this, but 
I'm a little bummed out because I somehow didn't realize that they were doing their annual Oktoberfest last Saturday. When I was there a couple of weeks ago, I talked to uh, not Chris, who we normally deal with, but one of the servers, and she didn't think it was happening. And I did eventually talk to Chris, and she said it was kind of touch and go. They decided to do it. I didn't realize that. I thought it was canceled due to the pandemic, so I didn't look into it any further. They did it. Shame on me for not finding out about it. I missed it. I saw the pictures. It was a beautiful day Saturday. They did have a nice turnout for it, particularly outside. They did all their normal things, the Stein hoisting competition and all that. And shame on me, I wasn't there. Anyway, we're talking about the Irish Rover Station House over in Bucks County, Langhorn. They still do have the outdoor patio seating as long as the weather permits. And it is a nice week again right here. Uh, they also have indoor seating within limits and uh, the socially distant tables and all of that. One thing that hasn't changed, they have a great menu and a big slate of beers available. And while you do need to order food, you can do that fulfill that requirement with something as simple as a dollar hot dog they are open daily now it's the irish rover station house on bellevue avenue in langhorn and you can check them out on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com and hey bill it is music time that makes somebody smile that's for sure let's do it let's talk fantasy football fred the entire nfl is a mash unit after four weeks who is in and who is out this week? I literally, before I got on this show, I picked up a guy that I don't know if he's going to be available on most waiver wires, but I think people are souring on him. <coughs> um, Carson Wentz was just available in my league, and I picked him up. So if he's available in any league, pick him up. Don't give up on him. But with all the injuries going on across the league, there's, there's so many different things that's going on. You got over in Cleveland, Nick Chubb goes down. Most rosters probably had Kareem Hunt, but so I would go out and grab Dearness Johnson, who would then be Kareem Hunt's spell Kareem Hunt, because you don't know if, if Hunt could get injured. Then you got Austin Eckler going down for the Chargers. Um, Joshua Kelly's been on the waiver wire. We've talked about him on this show. You should have picked him up by now, but if not, um, you would go get Justin Jackson at this point, because they like to split carries over there um, for um, the Chargers. Moving well, quarterback wise, this isn't even injury related. Teddy Bridgewater, he's on most waiver wires. He is a great matchup this week. Grab him. Fitzpatrick, he every week he gets two to three touchdown passes. He's a guy to grab as well. Going to like the wide receivers, I literally before what two hours before the show, I find out the whole Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is out on Thursday night, just about. So Chris Godwin's out, McCoy's out, Leonard Fournette's out. So you would definitely want to start Ron Jones on Thursday night. Maybe pick up their their backup back. Key, um, I forget it. Kevon Johnson um, out of Kansas, I believe. And then um, you know, th and then Chris Godwin's out. So you got Tyler Johnson, another receiver there. There's guys on those waiver wires that you got that are free to pick up because now they're going to be in two and three roles. Um, tight end wise, Eric Ebron's starting to come alive. He's a tight end that's available. Most of the other positions are pretty, you know, held up. So it's basically these injuries are, are popping up here. And, oh, here, I forgot him. Alshon Jeffries, another one. So if he gets back in this offense, he's going to have a role. Like Carson, as much as they've had their issues, Carson needs him and he needs Carson to build his himself back up. So he's a guy on a waiver wire. He's, he's practicing. He may play this week. I, I think he definitely plays in two weeks. That's another guy. So all across the board, just find the backups and pick them up. All right. I do have a question for you. Uh, the firing of Bill O'Brien in, in Houston, uh, what does that do to that football team? We see, would you expect an improvement? Or Romeo Cornell, right, is, is the interim or the rest of the season, whatever they're calling him, uh, does that make that team better? I don't know, because I, I imagine the, the play calling will change, obviously, but Romeo Cornell is a defensive guy, and I don't see them changing the system much. They still have the same personnel. They thought it was a good idea to trade DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that's the main thing you're seeing, in my opinion, from that offense. You don't have a guy that, that can just take over game and uh, you have to worry about. Brandon Cooks can, can fly down the field, so can Will Fuller, but they're not DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't think you see much change there. You may take a flyer on a guy, but I would wait and see there. Gotcha. All right, Chet, it's time to talk uh, picks for this week. Uh, by God, the Eagles are in first place, but uh, good call by Fred, like we said. 
We'll get to that. But, Chip, what are the standings after week four for you two? Oh, Fred is doing great, man. He picked the Eagles to upset the Niners, as you said. Uh, so Fred went three and one for the week. I went Ooh. two and two. We both did pick the Cowboys, and of course they lost, which is a good thing. Uh, this season, Fred is now a very impressive 14 and three. Way to go, Fred. I am 11 and six. Bill, you were watching Columbo marathons or something on Sunday. I, I was, actually. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you, Jack, since you mentioned it, I walked through the room and I saw the Cowboys-Browns game on, and I noticed that the Cowboys and the Browns both had their team names across the back of their helmets, mm. not individual names. So I actually watched some of it, thinking, okay. this is great. Maybe I can watch some of the Eagles. Only put the Eagles game on and, nope, let down. <laughs> I don't pay attention to any of that. I really well, don't. I do. I, I know. Do. All right, <laughs> let's get to our picks. Here we go. Uh, Rams at the at Washington, Rams minus nine. Giants at the Cowboys, Cowboys minus nine and a half. We threw in Indianapolis at Cleveland as the wild card game. Colts are minus two and a half. And the Eagles at the Steelers, the Steelers are minus seven. So let's go, Fred. Who do you like? Rams at Washington, Rams minus nine. Washington's horrible. Yeah, they just made the quarterback change. They finally benched Haskins. I don't even know why he started the season, to be honest with you. Um, but Kyle Allen's no better. They're not winning Rams. Yeah, Rams win this one easily. I don't know if they'll cover the nine, but I think they probably will. Got to go with the Rams. All right. Giants at Cowboys. Cowboys minus nine and a half. Cowboys got run out of the building in that game against Cleveland. Yeah, they're, like they're getting blown out, and then they put up all these yards on comebacks when teams are in prevent defense, and everyone thinks like Dax is great yards quarterback. It's all junkyard. <laughs> But the Giants stink <laughs> worse than anything. Uh, I I think it's, they may, the Giants may cover the spread, but I'm, I'm going to go Cowboys. Yeah, one thing Dallas can do is put up the points, not just when they're you know trying to come back. They can score, and I don't think the Giants can. So I think the Cowboys win this one pretty easily, and I think they do cover. All right. May, uh, maybe the best game of the weekend, Indianapolis at Cleveland. The Colts minus two and a half. Cleveland's playing good ball. Indianapolis pretty good. Yeah, Indianapolis, I don't know if it's still after last week. It should be because they shut down the Bears pretty well. They were the number one ranked defense. Um, Rivers does not look good, though. I watched that whole game. He, he looks like a shell of himself. And then the Browns look great. But I'm going to lean on defense here. I don't think the Browns have played a defense, really. So I'm going to take the Colts to win this one. Hmm. Now, see, I thought Rivers had been playing well. I haven't watched him closely, but I thought he was doing okay, at least the first two weeks. I don't know what he did Sunday, but whatever. I think Indianapolis wins. I think, you know, Cleveland uh, is obviously off to a much better start than we would have predicted, but I, too, think Indianapolis is going to win this one, and uh, it is, is, I think, the best game of the week. All the other games are like six, seven, nine, you know, ten-point spread. So this is the one that was close. That's why we put it on this week's slate. Indianapolis, I agree with Fred. So, so far, three in a row we agree on. All right. How about Eagles at the Steelers? Steelers minus seven. Uh, there will be a guy named Roethlisberger on the field this week. It will be a little different than what they saw in San Francisco. Certainly. And also <laughs> – they got the bye week now because of the COVID. So they had an extra week to prepare for the Eagles without playing. I saw improvement from Carson on Sunday night. A tremendous. It looked like the old Carson. He's always going to miss a few throws, but he was running, scoring, and he hit the deep ball. My main thing, though, was that defensive line getting pressure. I think if they can get the Roethlisberger, it can be similar. I don't think the Steelers have played anyone yet. Their defense, some are deeming elite but they really haven't played an elite offense. Not that we have an elite offense. I'm going to take the Eagles here. Um, the underdog thing I think is starting to, to come up. And um, I, I just got a feeling in my gut. I, I don't think that's the, I don't have a, I guess a logical reason for it, except the defensive line and maybe causing some turnovers. But I'm going to take the Eagles. Wow. Fred, you've been, I think, nailing your Eagles picks this year. So I'll give you credit for that. Uh, I was surprised they beat San Fran. I can't pick them this week. I just can't. I think Pittsburgh is going to be helped by the fact that they had the unintentional bye week. I think they're going to be helped by the fact that they will have 5,500 fans out at Heinz Field, which is, you know, just a 12th of capacity or whatever. But still, uh, they're going to be a rabid 5,500. And I picked the Steelers to win 31-20. I think they win and cover. And I hope I'm wrong. 
Well, I, I want to ask you guys, uh, how, what did you think of the offensive line play uh, with Jason Kelsey basically being the only starter out there? Um, how, how'd you think they showed out there, out there in San Francisco? Um, Bill, I was so impressed. I, I saw Lane Johnson go out at one point and I was like, oh no, this is going to be a long night. I never want to see Jason Peters play another down in the, for the Eagles. <laughs> I, I mean, George, we said he, that last year too, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, and we, he, he's, he's just not, he's just, he comes out every other play. Jordan Mailata, we wasn't perfect at all, but he was going up against a pretty good defensive line there and he held his own. And I think if they can build on that, that's going to be tremendous for them. And, and they have to, you know, we can't be having these people in and out of the lineup. It looks secure. Carson had looked confident at times. Um, it, it, it was, he, it was, I was very impressed by the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. I thought Jordan Mailata did a real good job. He had the, the one penalty and you know, he missed a couple of blocks maybe, but I thought he played really well. Lane Johnson didn't practice today. Hopefully he'll, you know, tough it out. And I know he will, if he can, and hopefully he'll be at the lineup on uh, Sunday. Uh, excuse me. We also should probably have Deshaun Jackson back. It's sounding that way from what I heard on the radio today that he had a full practice today and looked good. So I think Deshaun's going to be back in the lineup. Alshon a little more iffy, and I don't really care if Alshon plays, to be honest. Um, I like that new guy, Fulgum or whatever the hell his name is. He had the big <laughs> touchdown pass. Ferg what is his name? Fulgum? Fulgum, but like Fulgham. it was one catch and he I almost know. dropped it. <laughs> it was the most excitement we had this year, though. One catch. <laughs> hey, 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 I mean, it was I great. I have one more football Eagles question for you guys. Uh, Chad, I'll go with you first on this. This whole Jason Peters thing, um, you know, back injured again, the, the play, pay me to move, blah, blah, blah. Hate uh, it. The, the, is the Jason Peters legacy being hurt here as he tries to extend his career out? Is, is, this, a, is this a bad thing for Jason Peters? Am I going to end? Are you going to end up thinking about the end of Jason Peters' career like I think about Reggie White? <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to tarnish it that much. It, it's hurting it for the near term. I hate what they did with him, you know, bringing him back and then giving him more money to play left tackle. We all knew he was going to get hurt at some point, and he did quickly. I think ultimately the fans will forget about that, and years down the road they'll cheer him when he goes into Canton. But, I mean, we thought the same thing when Steve Carlton tried to hang on through four different teams after he left the Phillies in the mid-'80s. Uh, we thought he was silly for trying to hang on for all those years. But eventually we look back on Steve Carlton's time as the great lefty that he was. So we'll forgive Jason eventually. But right now I'm with Fred. I don't want to see him again on the field. Yeah, I don't. I'll remember it. But as long as it just ends right now, I think I'm good. I think it's more I'm frustrated with the front office that they would even bring him back for that type of money when you got other players available. So, um, yeah, it doesn't ruin it for me yet but if he gets comes back and they keep playing him and he just gets beat every single game for the next 15 games or whatever it is left 10 games i would uh i'll start to get annoyed definitely and remember it more all right i got gotcha. you all right fred before we let you go let the viewers know where they can follow your social media outlets all the things you have going on with edge of philly sports network Yep, you can find me uh, at Freddie Burns on Facebook, on my uh, Twitter and um, Instagram. It's still at Fred Hugo underscore because I don't want to change that. And then every I'll have articles on edgefilleop.com. Every uh, Friday is a preview of the Eagles game. And then every Sunday morning, I'll have my fantasy starts and sits. And then you can obviously catch me on our show every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. on uh, Facebook Live. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming by, spending a little extra time with us tonight, too, to talk uh, talk Sixers. So we appreciate that. Glad the plumbing's taken care of. Glad you picked the Eagles again, too. Go Birds! All Go right, birds. friend. All right, Jet, let's take another quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line rises, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. So check out their Facebook page, like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. All right, Chet. Um, 
I know before we get to our guests for next uh, next week, I know you got to have a couple music shout outs. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to save the main one for my parting shot. So oh. why don't we just hold off on it till then? Okay. Let's talk about next week's guest. Great guest tonight, Tim Kelly. He's all over the Philly's good stuff. Freddie's always great. Um, so who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Next week, Bill, uh, Freddie, of course, will be back again with his fantasy football tips and hopefully uh, will show me up again by having picked the Eagles right because I picked them to lose. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. Um, in addition to Fred, though, we're going to talk about everything on the Philly sports scene that we possibly can get to with a guy who can talk about it all. He's with the Philly Daily News and Inquirer.com. He's been here a few times in the past. He's coming back again. Ed Barkowitz joining us next week. Nice. Good, good. Ed's always great and always up to speed on what's going on. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, Jet, Philly Press Box Radio website up and running full speed ahead. You can watch his podcast, have our Vimeos, some current Philly articles, some articles we've written, and the YouTube channel is up and running well. Yeah, check out the YouTube channel. As you said, uh, a lot of good <coughs> stuff on there. We have the videos from all of our shows since mid-April when we started doing it via Zoom. And uh, all you got to do is go to YouTube and subscribe to Philly Press Box Radio. Just type in Philly Press Box and it'll take you right to our channel. Hit subscribe and you'll get notices when something new is there every time. Um, don't forget, if you want to buy one of our fabulous T-shirts like Bill is wearing tonight, that nice red model, um, just go to our website, get all the details. We'll still sell it to you for $10, 10 bucks and uh, $7 to ship it. And be sure to follow Philly Press Box Radio on both Twitter and Instagram, and heck, you can follow me on both of those places as well. All right, good stuff. And um, you also, uh, you can watch on uh, on YouTube certain breakdowns, right? If you just, it, obviously it's not up now, but if you just want to watch the Tim Kelly interview, you've been doing that where you can break down and watch individual segments of our show, right? Yeah, much of the time I do that, and I will do it again for <laughs> Tim to be sure. Tim was great, so loved having uh, Tim on with us. All right. Good stuff. All right. Uh, let's get to that parting shot. It's your time. I know this one, uh, this one's going to be big. I just, I just feel it. It is before we get to the parting shot. Let me briefly mention the flyers. We didn't talk about the flyers at all. Uh, Niskanen retires, which was a surprise. Brian Elliott gets re-signed. He's coming back to back up Carter Hart, which is good. And in Tuesday night's draft with the 23rd pick in the NHL draft, the Flyers picked a guy named Tyson Forster. He was with the Barry Colts of the Ontario Hockey League. He's uh, going to be 19 in January. He's 6'2", 194 pounds, decent size. And in those uh, 62 games he played this past season for Barry, he had 36 goals and 80 points. So that's pretty good. According to Broad Street Hockey, he's got impressive offensive talents and a high-end shot, but there are some issues with his skating. He's not a real fast guy either, but uh, we'll be interested to see what he brings to the team. They picked a Swedish defenseman in the second round today, by the way. Yeah, and, you know, the one thing I was concerned about, I don't know him, I've not seen him play, obviously, but he's 6'2", 194 pounds, and he's not a fast skater at 18 years old. Uh, what's he going to be at 24 years old? You're not probably going to get faster, you know? That no, probably not, but you don't, you don't have to be a speedster <laughs> in the NHL. If you know what you're doing, you got a good shot, I think you can succeed. So let's see what happens. Looking forward to it, that's for sure. Parting All shot? All right, let's get to that parting shot before we run out of time. As we mentioned uh, last week, we talked about you know, musical greats like <laughs> Helen Reddy and Mac Davis, plus one of my favorites, not from the music world, Jay Johnstone. And then in recent days, we lost a few more legends like St. Louis Cardinals great Bob Gibson, one of the very best pitchers of our lifetime. I think we both feel that way, Bill. He passed away at the age of 84 last Friday, I think it was. And then on Tuesday in the music world, again, we lost one of the rock world's greatest ever guitarists and one of my personal favorites, a co-founder of Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, who died after long battles with both throat and lung cancer. I'm happy to say I did get to see Van Halen a couple of times in 1994. Sammy Hagar was fronting him at that time. And then again, in 2007, David Lee Roth was back in the fold. And man, Eddie is going to be missed. I tried to come up with my three favorite Van Halen songs. And to be honest, I couldn't do it. Too many classics. Panama, Running with the Devil, Ain't Talking About Love, and The Cradle Will Rock. And of course, Eddie's amazing solo eruption that goes into the band's cover of You Really Got Me. So 
Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen, one of the all-time greats. And Bill, this is uh, not a recent death. And I don't want to turn this into an obituary segment every week, but uh, <laughs> it, it seems like a late. They need to stop dying, Chad. I know. It, before you know it, it's just going to be Keith Richards and nobody else alive. <laughs> <laughs> Another musical item, though. This guy lived only 40 years and two months. And believe it or not, he would have turned 80 this Friday. I'm talking, of course, about the great John Lennon. I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round and round. I really love to watch them roll. Love John you know, Lennon. You know, Chet, I, I am a little disappointed because, and I think Chris is too, because I thought we were going to get you get to hear you sing Jump tonight. Not one of my favorite Van Halen songs, believe it or not. Uh, it's probably not even in my top 10. It was certainly a massive hit in 1984, <sighs> but I, I like all the ones I mentioned more and uh, Dance the Night Away also and, and several others. I mean, Jump was a big hit, no denying it, but it was a little bit of a change of pace for them with uh, the synthesizer or organ or whatever it was that was featured prominently through it. Uh, but I'll sing if you want. No, 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 okay. no, no. We're, we're <laughs> glad that you didn't. Hey, one other thing, and uh, you didn't mention him, and, I, and I'm quickly trying to find his name because it's escaping me. There was another singer that died yesterday, too. And, Johnny uh, Nash. Johnny Nash. I just said, I'll do this. I can see clearly now <laughs> no, no, the that's rain is gone. It, he it also a, did no. a version of Steer It Up, uh, sung originally by Bob Marley and the Wailers. And it was a pretty faithful cover, I think. Steer it up, a little dark, a little reggae. <laughs> so, yeah, Johnny Nash died. Johnny Nash was 80 years old. He also left us on Tuesday. That's right. Okay. Uh, anything else before we wrap it? Oh, yeah. Now that you mention it, we <laughs> talked about Glenn Rivers and Mark Zumoff's interview with him where he talked to him about, you know, being named Doc, which was because – he was uh, an admirer of Julia serving doc and he wore a t-shirt with Dr. J on the cover and Rick Majerus and uh, Al McGuire forgot his name and just started calling him doc. Cause he had the doc t-shirt on at a basketball camp. But anyway, yeah, he said, I'm not really doc anymore. I'm in Philly. Uh, Julia serving the one doc here, but there is another doc. His name is Roy Halliday. And it was 10 years ago yesterday that he pitched that postseason no hitter against the reds. Hard to believe that. that that was 10 years ago already, but uh, that was another doc and another great one. Absolutely. Good stuff. Wrap it Good up. Stuff. All right. Let's wrap it up, as we say. And uh, thank tonight's special guest, Tim Kelly and Freddie Burns, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, and Chris Furman on the controls again tonight. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, October 14th at 7 p.m. You can listen to us live on Facebook or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go Birds. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.